What's up, everyone? We're here for post-game Locked On Bucks, and uh, we're happy after a game one, which, as we know, has not exactly been a common occurrence with the Milwaukee Bucks, but they beat Boston on the road in game one. Giannis was spectacular. Drew was spectacular. The defense was spectacular. So we're going to break it all down and uh, see where the Bucks got it right and potentially where the Celtics may have some room for improvement as well because uh, this was a really impressive performance uh, from Milwaukee. So let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Friday, uh, also on weekends, post game during the playoffs. You can find my other stuff at ESPN if you're interested. Joining me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And uh, of course, uh, we thank you for making Lockdown Bucks your first listen of every day. And we thank you for being patient today. I've had a number of messages from people saying, where is the podcast? Where is the post-game podcast? It's been hours since game one. We're recording this right now at 10.36 p.m. Central Time. Uh, the one thing I do want to point out, Frank, is that, you know, I, I took one for the team on Twitter here a little while ago and said that, you know, we're recording this late because I needed to get some sleep after this 3 a.m. tip. Um, but because the backlash has been so severe, I want to retract my tweet and say that the reason we're podcasting so late is because you weren't available earlier. So it's Frank's fault, not my fault. I just want to clear that up, Frank. Yeah, I was visiting my sister in East Texas <laughs> this weekend. My wife was out of town. I packed up my daughter and my four-year-old uh, and our two dogs hauled over for four hours on Friday to visit my sister and niece. Uh, and their family. Um, and then we watched the game today. And uh, obviously, I was couldn't have been happier to drive four hours through um, pretty <laughs> like empty farmland territory for much of it after the Bucks won the game. But it did mean I got in at around eight o'clock tonight. And then uh, I have a four-year-old and I had to feed her and entertain her for a little bit and then put her to bed and yada 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 it's it's been a very very long day but let me, let me uh, just say let me just say if justin superbuck or someone that's a meme lord is like good at doing this kind of stuff you know that meme where that guy's like in the car and he's like yes sir if someone could put frank's face on that meme that was him driving <laughs> home after this game one <laughs> I actually don't know that meme, but just you doing that for me, Kane, I, I thoroughly enjoyed you doing what that thing that you just did. So wait till you say it. You will love Hopefully it. people are are watching on YouTube got got to see what Kane just did. But um but yeah, I mean I it's funny. I don't know how much sort of uh national audiences are aware of the Bucks first game, you know, first game in a series problems. But it has become almost a joke at this point how bad the Bucks tend to be after long layoffs, how bad they tend to be in the first game of series. You know, last year, of course, we don't probably need to tell this audience that they they went down 2-0 in the two series that they didn't have home court in. 
you know, the record leading up to, you know, if they're one in five in the previous six game ones before last series. And obviously they, they win against Chicago, but it was not pretty. And so that with that as the backdrop, you know, so much talk about the Celtics, the hot streak they've been on over the past few months on both ends, really, they, you know, had the best point differential in basketball for the past few months. They, I mean, they didn't annihilate the Nets, but they sweep the Nets, win the games in close fashion. We obviously kind of talked about last week, sort of like, well, what, what does that mean, right? Like, how, how much do we take away from that? And I think what we saw from this game, though, pretty pretty well aligned to sort of what we expected in terms of what have the Bucks been doing? You know, the Bucks forced them to shoot a ton of threes. They shot a ton of threes. They shot them fine. They were 36%. Celtics simply shot their average from yeah. three and the bucks what did we say the bucks had to do well they had to make some threes ended up not being a super hot three-point shooting game right there i think they were 10 out of 20 at one point maybe at halftime i think they were 10 out of 20 or something like that um only 12 for 32 so they didn't shoot the lights out they didn't shoot it well at all in the second half but they got out in fast on the fast break they didn't just let this game become a half court drag out affair because it was ugly for both teams for the most part. The defenses were really good in the half court, but the huge difference was the Bucks, you know, 28 to eight in fast break. Uh, after turning it over a bunch themselves to start the game, they really kind of buckled down, got their composure back. And, you know, Giannis, not an efficient scoring game for him, but, you know, whereas last year in that Brooklyn series, remember where it was like, oh, we're, how many screens is Giannis, you know, setting? Giannis become a roller. This series is not that series that you know, we saw today, even when he doesn't have his A game as a scorer, he can dictate you know, the terms of engagement and he can control a game you know, really on both ends to a large extent with his tool set and you know, the triple-double today scored enough um, and ultimately gives the Bucks a huge win with some really important supporting cast performances from the people you needed to get them from, right? Drew Holiday, thought really stepped up, made big shots, made big plays on both ends. Bobby Portis, of course, did what he's done since he's moved to the starting lineup. Grace Nell and Pat Connaughton made some shots. Javon Carter gave him good minutes off the bench. Wetz Matthews did the unsung defensive work that he's been doing all series. So, you know, it was not pretty, um, but I think this was a bit of a statement from the Bucks, probably about their defense, showing that for all the talk about the Celtics and the awesome defense that they have, which again, we saw that for long stretches today. The Bucks won a championship last year, relying heavily on an awesome defense. And certainly over the past two weeks, they have seemingly been able to flip the switch and the streak they're on right now, just as far as you know, the defensive rating numbers are you know, it's pretty, pretty crazy. And again, I think maybe we devalued it against the Bulls because we said, oh, the Bulls, you know, what do the Bulls have? Um, but the Bulls have some offensive talent. And the Celtics do too. I think it's a, obviously a bigger test here against Boston, but at least in game one, we saw that the Bucks certainly can make the Celtics really have to work offensively. And, you know, we'll get into the numbers a little bit, but just some pretty wild numbers, you know, in terms of just the, the two point shooting in particular today, just a dominant performance from the Bucks doing what they do best. Yeah, as we continue to dive into it, you mentioned numbers. So I'm going to do this. Otherwise we'll go forever and then I'll get in trouble. Let's talk about our friends at Bet Online. Net, which is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. And it's interesting. You saw the the odds for the favorite. And this is so funny, like how quickly it happens. But I think the Bucks 
uh, were basically uh, the the fourth favorite uh, to get out of the East because I, the assumption from the betting markets was that Boston was going to win this series. Of course, they still could, but you swing one game and all of a sudden now I saw some stuff and you can check it out at betonline.net that now the Bucks are the favorite to get out of the East. So uh, one game swings that all. But if you're into that type of thing, go to betonline.net and you can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start uh, of baseball season. Well, it's been going for a little while there. Uh, but Bet Online is a continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, uh, check out wow, well, this is interesting. The Bucks in the middle of a playoff run. They do have a first round draft pick, though. So check out the Locked On NBA draft big board. You got three days off this after game two here this week. Maybe check out some draft content. Look ahead to the future. You can do that with the big, uh, big board draft podcast uh, on the Locked On Network. There. So uh, you mentioned the defense, and uh, I, I, I just was laughing at some of the possessions with the some of the blocks that Brook Lopez had and Giannis. Like it was seriously like a ch- child trying to shoot at a mini hoop, and the adult the way that they were swatting those balls. So uh, the stat, and I think. Kirk Goldsbury from ESPN was the first one that tweeted out. But the 10 two-point field goals is just a laughable number. Now, is that sustainable for the rest of the games? You wouldn't think so. But you came up with a good point uh, that uh, I think at least half of them had to be on offensive putbacks. And we saw it when the Celtics were able to get in kind of transition, semi-transition. There was a couple of times where they were able to get to the basket. You force Giannis or Brooke to commit. And then Williams or whoever it was was able to clean up. and that was early in the game when the Bucs looked like they were still trying to figure things out. But after that, this was physical dominance. And it was interesting because this was one of the things, and I had a number of Bucks fans saying, can you just like push back a little bit more on these crossover pods? And I'm like, well, if you've been listening to me for long enough, you understand how I tend to go about things. I say what I think. If you want to say all this stuff, it's fine. But the one thing I did push back on was that I think physicality suits this team. I've been saying it for the last few weeks. I said it in the last series. The more physical this gets, I think the Bucs are going to love it more. And a big reason for that is because, A, Giannis, the most physical player in the entire NBA, but B, the Bucs don't have guys that are naturally trying to draw fouls or seek the attention. Of like, Drew Holiday isn't flopping. He's not. And, and look, Marcus Smart is a good defender, but we saw it again tonight. He spends a lot of the night on the floor trying to draw charges and those types of things. It's not how Drew Holiday plays the game. It's not how Brooke Lopez plays the game. And then when you add Bobby Portis in the paint as well, if they're allowed to play physical... I just think there's no question that it suits the Bucs, and particularly the longer this series goes. So this was a scrappy game. And I think both teams, fans of both teams, would look at this and say, well, we probably missed out on some calls. Uh, but I would say you also were lucky that there weren't more calls. The, the only one that they, they called, Frank, that was obvious was Giannis absolutely steamrolling Jason Tatum for his fourth foul. Uh, they did call that one. But overall... This was as physical game as I can remember for a while, and I think that suits the Bucs right down to the ground. Yeah, especially with the Bucs going big with their starting five, yeah. right? Um, you know, Boston has great positional size with their normal starting five with you know, Horford, certainly an oversized four. Tatum and Brown have very good size on the wings. They're, they've become very strong defenders, and obviously Marcus Smart, you know, I mean, you'd say in almost any other series other than if he's playing Drew Holiday and the Bucs would be the stronger, more physical yeah. uh, starting point guard. So uh, it, it definitely is a unique matchup in that regard. And, and one that I, I agree, the Celtics 
actually do have to cope with a physical team. I mean, we saw, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I think some of those games against Brooklyn, there were a lot of offensive rebounds that the Celtics gave up, which is one of the reasons I think the Celtics or the Nets were able to stay in one of those games, one or two of those games. Um, but, you know, it's night and day, right? I think I think one of the concerns playing the Bulls was, well, you know, is, is this going to get you ready to play a much better Celtics mm-hmm. team, right? Um, but I think especially from, you know, Celtics offensive standpoint, I don't think playing the Brooklyn Nets, you know, you think about preparing what prepares you to play this Bucks defense. I definitely don't think playing, you know, the Brooklyn Nets who are rotating Patty Mills, Kyrie Irving, Goran Dragic, and, and Seth Curry, <laughs> you know, and having at least two, sometimes three of those guys on the floor at all times. Um, you know, they spent the whole series just picking which mismatch they wanted to attack because the Nets were switching everything and they always had small guys on the floor. Today, the Bucks a had you know far fewer guys that they could really attack. You know we saw Marcus Smart early go right at Grayson Allen for a couple of nice plays. I think Grayson really buckled down the rest yeah. of the game and kind of settled down a fair bit. Um, you know, but but for the most part, I mean the way that Drew and and Wes in particular, when those really high screen and rolls come, they spent all series against uh, Demar Derozan basically saying I'm taking away your right hand. You know, you want to set a screen going to your right. I'm sitting on the screener's hip, basically. And I'm saying, you're not going that way. You know, I'm funneling you towards Brooke Lopez. And if you want to try to set up, you know, a pick and pop for Al Horford, we'll live with that, right? And we saw Al Horford. Al Horford, I think, shot 60% from three in the last series. Obviously, you don't expect him to do that two series in a row, knock on wood, hopefully. He had four out of nine from three today. So, I mean, yeah. it worked perfectly well for them, but he was 0 for 2 on 2s, 12 points on 11 shots. You know, I think you live with that, right? Robert Williams, 3 out of 6, uh, overall 6 points. Again, a couple of those I think were, were tip-ins, putbacks. I think you live with that. They got one They got one play where they got Brooke out on a playing a little too high on a screen and roll, and I think that was when Rob Williams got an alley-oop. But, you know, they really didn't get a steady diet of that at all. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think... Again, so much of it starts with the two wings, Drew and, and Wes. I think just not letting Tatum and Brown and, and even Smart to an extent, you know, not letting those guys play the way they want to, not letting them get really going downhill. And I think as much as the Bulls are not at the level of the Celtics, I do think that there was, you know, a benefit to having to play a guy like DeMar DeRozan, who I think, you know, is, it, Tatum's harder because I think, is, as I think you got talked about in one of the pods last week, you know, Tatum obviously will, will pull up from three, mm. whereas DeMar is trying to get closer to the foul line, right? So that makes Tatum, I think, tougher to cover in that regard. But, um, you know, Tatum and Brown, I mean, the Celtics are 0 for 12 from three today. That, that's not going to happen again. Yeah. By the same token, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I mean, you look at their numbers on mid-range shots. I mean, they are not Kevin Durant or DeMar DeRozan from that range. Um, You know, they they can hurt you. And certainly Tatum, he will get hot from that range at times. He can create a shot. He's got good size. But, you know, again, if the game's going to come down to Jason Tatum taking contested mid-range shots, you know, you live with that. And obviously we saw today the Bucs were going to live with the three-point shooting and the kickouts. And I think the one really noticeable notable thing about today, you know, we talked after the, the last Bulls game, 
Bucks came into the series 10 and one when they allow 48 or more three point attempts, which is kind of just a crazy number. It doesn't seem like you should want to allow that many threes, but typically when that's happening, it's because the teams can't do anything inside the paint. They're not getting the foul line, usually not getting a lot of offensive rebounds. And today, not just, and I've seen different things. I think I'm seeing 53 point attempts in the, the official box score. I think cleaning glass at like 49, but 53s again. You know, I think that's the most the Celtics have maybe taken all year. Most they've taken in a playoff game. You know, it's, it's a huge number. They made 18. That's fine. 36%, right? Like, Do you think in the fourth quarter, Peyton Pritchard, I was wondering if Peyton Pritchard had some sort of like kicker in his contract if he got the Celtics to 53-point attempts today. What was going on in the fourth quarter, Frank? I was, I mean, I was fine with it, but it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they obviously are, are, you know, they are going to, they are going to, you know, pick your poison. I think the Bucks are f- much more okay with Peyton Pritchard and Marcus Smart shooting threes against them than Tatum, Brown, et cetera, um, and Horford as well, just because of who he's typically going to be guarding against. Those are the guys that are going to get up threes. And uh, I think the notable thing, though, what we saw in Chicago, those last two games, Bucks, you know, we were talking about before the cop, I mean, Bucks didn't really care who was shooting, <laughs> who was shooting the threes. Or from where. <laughs> yeah, or from where. I mean, the number of corner threes the Bucks gave up, in the last two games where it was, you know, insane, right? It was like five and 19 and game four. <laughs> and I think something similar in game five, right? Like a, a huge number, huge number of open threes, over 30 open threes per game. The last two games today, only 10, oh, sorry, only nine corner threes allowed. So, and, and the Celtics made six out of nine from corner, right? Like the Celtics killed them on corner threes when they had them, but they really didn't give up many corner threes. That's I think that's actually fewer corner threes than the Bucks give up on average over the course of the season. So really everything was being funneled to those above the break threes. And, you know, of course, those are just harder threes to make because they're further out. And, you know, again, the math, you know, didn't work wildly against the Celtics. It's not like this was an outlier poor shooting performance, pretty much even three point percentages across the two teams, which, you know, again, I thought that was going to be really important. The Bucks make threes today. And, and I think an encouraging thing is that they didn't have to go crazy from three point range. They did early that got them the lead, but then they were really able to hold the Celtics off without needing to hit tons of threes in the second half. I think they're only like what two for 12, I want to say in the second half, something like that. So yeah. um, they actually expanded the lead in the second half, even without the three point shooting. And uh, I was a little nervous about that at halftime because I thought, you know, like we're relying, you're relying on the three point shoot. I think at yeah. one point, you know, they were like eight for 16 from three and eight out of 21 on twos. And it was like, well, I feel like the twos have to do better, but the threes probably aren't going to stay at that rate. Um, but again, the defense was just so good and the Celtics just really couldn't, couldn't punish them enough to, to kind of obviously work, work up and, and kind of eat into that deficit. That's why at the longer this game went, oh, just because of the way some of the things were happening, and particularly the first half of the Bucks hitting all those threes, defensively able to keep the, the Celtics out of the paint. Again, I don't think it... I mean, it would be great if it stays that way. But, it, I mean, the, there was an utter domination today defensively. So, yeah, you have to imagine the Celtics are going to have better days than that. So that's why as the game was going, I was thinking, geez, you, you really want to get this game because if not, you're going to look back and look at some of the numbers and say this is going to be hard to replicate. Uh, one other thing that I think was interesting uh, from the Celtics' point of view, because I think, and again, I've, I've been saying this a lot, if you haven't been watching the Celtics a lot, it's kind of snuck up on you. And and maybe some people are sitting there and saying, well, where's the playmaking on the Celtics come from? And if you listen to the Celtics podcast and Celtics fan, they talk about Marcus Smart. He's become the point guard of this team. Uh, he's been really controlling things. 
the Bucks were playing full court defense from the start tonight. And when we talked about how the matchups worked out, I think the Javon Carter minutes tonight were incredibly important. I think Mark Jones said something on the broadcast, like he's one of the best in the league in full court defense, which at the time, like I chuckled at because it's just such a funny comment to say, but mostly because teams just don't do it. But it is something that Javon Carter does. And he's done it since he first got minutes. And when you talk about if if you've got the paint closed down, playing the full court defense, taking it down to 13 seconds before they're able to really do anything, applying that pressure, and also Javon Carter being able to defend Marcus Smart so then Jay, uh, Drew Holiday can defend you know, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum and just you can maneuver your matchups like that. Uh, I just thought, first of all, the idea to play the full-court defense as aggressively as they did with, you know, it's not Kyrie Irving out there. I mean, Marcus Smart is not Kyrie Irving. I think it's a good play. Now, it's incredibly taxing, incredibly exhausting way to play defense. But I thought today for the matchups, and, and everything they were able to work off that, the Javon Carter minutes were as good as you could possibly ask for. And he knocked down a couple of shots. He curled around the screen, knocked down a mid-ranger there at one point, had a three, which was a pretty difficult three, go halfway down and roll out. But I just thought a really, really good night for Javon Carter. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you get him off the waiver wire yeah. because of Drogage. And, and West. Think about the two important yeah. defenders. Yeah, get, getting... And it's funny, right? Just all year long, right? I, I mean, Wes has been my sentimental favorite guy, my nostalgia guy. I, I've been rooting for him, you know, probably more, probably more than like, you know, obviously I'm like a, a Giannis fan. I, you know, everybody knows that the way I feel about Giannis, but, um, but just sort of like in terms of like relative to role, Wes is a guy I've been rooting for so hard all year. It's such a great story coming home after the year away uh, in Los Angeles last year, not getting picked up by anybody. Uh, through camp and then to kind of get dropped in and you know ironic his his first really like big stage um kind of impact was against the Celtics on Christmas Day you can argue playing huge minutes being part of that switchable lineup down the stretch against Boston that big comeback hitting the huge three in the final minute uh and today uh, again just staying solid right and you know I, I never want to I, I never like to say like you know, oh, West is shutting guys down, whatever. He just plays really solid, plays physically, plays really solid, forces, you know, guys to play within the scheme that the Bucks sort of want guys to play in. Um, and I think he's just such a good running mate for for Drew um, out there on the court. And again, Carter, uh, the fact that he's been able to just knock down shots at sort of an insane rate, especially from three since he came over. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how that long that's going to last. But um, as you said, a, a couple of very timely baskets today, and you know, twenty plus twenty five. I think in twenty two minutes. Yeah. I mean, again, you, you you know, it's not like Javon Carter was. You know, I mean, him and Giannis. I think were the the massive plus minus guys. I think one of those is more indicative of the impact than the others. <laughs> but um, but I do think it it does highlight. You know, the Bucks go down in this game, eighteen to twelve. They go down twenty four seventeen. Holiday had all the turnovers. And the bench guys, Grayson Carter, Pat Connaughton, Javon, you know, Javon Carter, Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton. I mean, those guys, those three, right? Those three are the the bench guys at this point. Each of them play between 21 and 29 minutes. And all of them, you know, made shots, made plays, did enough defensively. And all plus, all ended up as pluses on the games. Um, You know, 
again, you're just going to need that, right? And and not that you're going to get this this same level of contribution every game, but you know, the starters, you know, in particular, struggled for a long stretch of this game. I mean, West was only two for seven for five points. So it's not like West was you know lighting the world on fire, um, but you know, he only had two fouls. Drew only had three fouls. And again, to be able to play the level of physicality that they were on the wing against two all-stars in Tatum and Brown um, and Tatum, you know, coming off that series where everybody's not talking about him as, you know, top five player, you know, took the mantle from, from Durant as, I don't know, the best sort of traditional wing in the East, maybe. I don't know. Probably there, there's plenty of people probably thinking about him in those terms um, to to come out today and and obviously just, you know, six out of 18 for, for Tatum, 21 points. Um, three turnovers, minus eight. I mean, six rebounds, six assists. I mean, again, like, you know, Tatum ended up putting up some numbers, you know. Um, if if the Celtics, you know, hit more threes, hit more shots and win the game, then, you know, I'm sure the narrative could have gotten twisted into like Jason Tatum, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, they, they really frustrated him for long stretches. And I mean, again, t- told us coming into the game that you'd get six out of 18 from Tatum, four of 13 from Jalen Brown. Even with those guys, I mean, Tatum was four out of nine from three, right? I mean, he, he made threes. Jalen Brown was three out of nine from three. He made some threes. Not like he was a bad three-point shooter. Those guys are like mid-30s three-point shooters on the year. So it's not like they're, you know, Steph Curry out there. Um, so those guys, you know, hit hit some threes, and they took a bunch of them. But, uh, again, just Bucks just managing to choke pretty much everything else off. And, um, I mean, again, Drew and Wes are just going to have to – just going to have to keep doing this and they're going to need those bench guys we mentioned to, to continue to contribute night in and night out. You, you know, I just think back to a couple months ago when the bench was like just really struggling, really struggling and not giving you much of anything night in and night out. Um, you know, so far this feels more like a year ago when Connaughton was doing what he, you know, just started to do consistently during the playoffs and obviously Grayson Allen, um, really for somehow turn the corner going on the road in game three uh, of that Chicago series. And uh, he just continues to play. I mean, three out of six for him from three today brought down his three point percentage. Right. So, um, Hey, if he wants to just only shoot 50% the rest of the way, I'm okay with it. No doubt. And I thought uh, you pointed to it, but I thought there was a couple of possessions there where uh, Grayson was, you know, pretty tenacious defensively as well. I thought he was really locked in. So uh, a decent night again for him. Uh, off the bench. Only one game before game two. So uh, I'm thinking the Bucks might need some built bars because I would say I would say that this team would be pretty sore, pretty fatigued after this game. It was a pretty uh, high-intensity game of playoff basketball. But uh, summer's coming, Frank, although I saw the outdoor party in the Deer District tonight and it looked like Mel and the crew down there had gloves on, which, uh, look, it's, it's starting starting to get beyond the point where you would hope that that's not the case. But summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations or to a viewing party at the Deer District. So throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure everyone has a bar so you're refueled for the summer adventures. And the best part about Built Bar is they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. And it's easy. All you have to do is go to built.com. And order now. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. As I mentioned, they're healthy for you. And uh, there's plenty of different flavors. You can check them all out. Go to built.com to get all your favorites. Banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They're all delicious. And the new flavors are coming out all the time. Check them out at built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. 
All right. It, it can't all be perfect, Frank. And, you know, at the end of the day, they scored 101 points in this game. So, you know, I, look, you pointed to it. The Bucks won a championship in these types of games last year. I mean, this is right in the Bucks' wheelhouse. I think oh, certainly I was like, well, if you, if you lose Chris Milton, I'm not too worried about the defense because I think that they're going to be able to cover that with the personnel they have. I wasn't too worried about that side of the ball. But offensively, um, the easy way to look at this is Giannis, 9 for 25, uh, missed a bunch of shots that were kind of head scratches. Uh, now I'm sure that there was probably some contact and, you know, he <laughs> he makes it always look, get into the room, make it look easier than anyone else. So sometimes you don't see the contact. I'm sure he was fouled on a bunch of those, but nonetheless, there's shots that he normally finishes. So there's one way that you think, okay, maybe you can get some, some more points there. Uh, the threes, as you said, cooled off in the second half. And Boston's just a really good defense. So, uh, you know, there was some reason to walk away from this again and say, geez, glad we got this one because this is going to be a scrap and how are the Bucs going to generate the half-court uh, points? Yeah, you had the offensive rating. You mentioned, well, I don't know if you mentioned when we were recording, but it, it wasn't pretty. So let's just say that offensively, the Bucs have still got some stuff to work through here. For sure. And, I mean, part of the reason, I mean, we've, we haven't really talked much about Giannis. And part of that is because every national place is going to talk about Giannis. And to me, I think it's a little, I mean, for one, I think I'm happy because the fact that Giannis has evolved his game such that he can impact being with the ball in his hands for a lot of the game, being a creator facilitator, you know, a game where he's one of really only two true, you know, creators with the ball, him and Drew Holiday, they have to pretty much be the engines of the offense for 48 minutes combined. Um, again, that is a really different ask from a year ago, right? I just think back to, to Zach Lowe checking the number of screens Giannis was setting every game and, and emphasizing how Giannis was going to have to screen more last year in the playoffs than he ever had before. And that was because he had not just Drew Holiday, but he had Chris Middleton, two really good pick and roll operators who can score for themselves or feed Giannis or the gravity, let the gravity of Giannis suck in the defense and create open shots for other guys. Uh, and this is just a different series because they, they're going to need the ball in Giannis's hands a lot more. And it's not always going to be pretty. There's going to be possessions where, you know, again, the Boston defense is, is going to be really good and make life really hard on Giannis. We saw that today, but you can't just double a pass away. I mean, we saw that Marcus Smart just like doubling into the post kick out Grayson Allen bang. Like, you know, Giannis is now at the point where, He'll find the guy, you know, he'll find that easy pass. He'll find the guy on the other side, on the weak side with, you know, a leaping hook pass. Um, He'll do stuff that, again, you know, a few years ago, he would not make, not that he wouldn't ever make the play, but he just didn't make it as consistently as he does now. And so, um, you know, I think that this was, you know, defensively a very good performance from Boston. As you said, though, some of those, some of the touch on the layups was just kind of surprising. Like a couple of them just like didn't even get backboard. Um, just missed a few where again, I mean, hey, there's guys near him, but like a few of those were like a couple, two or three of those where he got by Robert Williams and just just overlaid it and just misses a shot. Um, you know, he's the best finisher in the sport. So I, I think he's going to finish more of those than <laughs> he's he's gonna miss through the rest of the series. Um, and again, I you know, the three-point shot has obviously been a major question mark. It's been inconsistent, you know, all year and especially in the playoffs. Um, and he takes two today, 
fine with him not pressing the issue on that front. Um, did hit a, a few mid-rangers, including kind of a one-legged step back in the fourth quarter, which was, you know, again, part of kind of keeping the Celtics at arm's length. Um, and obviously defensively, you know, <laughs> you know, to, when you look at the numbers in Boston's, what, 20 pain points or something like that, and just the struggles to do anything inside the arc, uh, it starts with the wing defense, but Giannis and Brook Lopez, I mean, the work that those guys do, dissuading shots, blocking shots, two blocks for Giannis, three for Brook. You just can't say enough about what the, that duo does. And, I, you know, we didn't see a big, a big offensive performance from Brook. I think he's a guy they're going to need to find him at some point this series. He's going to need to have, you know, one of those 19 point on 11 shot type games. Uh, I think if the Bucks are going to win this series, he's going to have to pop in and be a safety release valve. You know, again, just flashing to the paint, making himself big and available for little lobs around the basket. We, we've seen uh, Brooke do that. He's not really a post-up guy anymore, um, but he doesn't have to be uh, to be dangerous. And um, so, so much credit to, to those guys and and just really happy for Giannis. I mean, it would have been really annoying <laughs> if Giannis shoots nine for 25 and they lose the game because then the whole narrative post-game, regardless of his assist numbers, are going to be about, you know, how the Celtics shut him down or whatever it is. Right. And again, the, 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 you know, whatever the, the line is right about, um, you know, the history books are written by the victors in basketball terms, sports terms, the team that wins the game, you know, everybody just sort of says that the high scorer did, did a great job or whatever. But I think it really is a, um, a statement about Giannis, you know, Tatum and Giannis both have poor games shooting the ball, but, Giannis with his playmaking and his defense, you know, ultimately made a huge effort, made enough big plays. And, um, you know, again, we, we just can't, can't take that for granted. And the fact that we've waited this long to talk to him is not a, a slight on him. Um, but I think this really was a team effort. There's just so many, you know, you can call out eight guys, eight guys in the rotation. You can call out eight guys, um, you know, the ways that they contributed to winning basketball tonight, Bobby Portis and Drew Holiday, I think also deserve a really important mention because Drew in particular Incredible. Being that, you know, to me, that was the question, right? Is Can Drew Holiday be Drew Holiday offensively in this series? We know he's going to be awesome defensively. 8 out of 20, it's not like he shot the lights out, but 25 points on 20 shots, took care of the ball, um, and made some timely shots working to his mid-range, hit those two threes early, and you started to feel like, oh, okay, we, we got good Drew Holiday today. And for me, probably my favorite Drew play today, he gets ISOed. I think it was against Horford, right? On, in the right corner. Mm. And he basically just bullied Al Horford. Al Horford, who played great defense on Giannis today, but Drew Holiday just basically, you know, grown manned him, drove to the basket and just cleared space for a layup, like right at Al Horford. Um, you know, Drew's just a special player and they're going to need him to have efficient volume scoring games because Again, last year you had Chris or Drew. None of them, it always seemed like one of them was struggling, right? Usually Chris was doing well. Drew was kind of looking for a shot. Um, they don't have the same margin for error. They're going to need Drew to be consistently much more like he was today than what we saw for long stretches in last year's playoffs. And um, again, just cross your fingers that he continues to deliver like this night in and night out. And Bobby Portis, 15 and 10 every night. What can we say about Bobby? I mean, running his ass off, running his ass off up and down the floor. I mean, we'll see how – I'm sure Boston will try to exploit him more defensively, but they weren't able to do it today. And I think 
so for so much long stretches of this season, especially with since Brooke has been back and Giannis is around, you, you just can't target Bobby in the same way that you could, you know, in previous years. And that's just a, a big credit to him and his work rate. It's kind of the uh, you, you kind of flip it for the questions for these both of these teams offensively for the Celtics. How can they score? in the paint and for the box are they going to be able to continue to score on the perimeter as they did you know decently in the first half tonight but i think for the celtics when you talk about how they expose bobby portis and that's what everyone's trying to figure out well the problem is right now there's only two guys that the bucks really give a shit about defensively and and that was kind of the same case it's not as extreme as it was against chicago but it's kind of a similar nature that's the blueprint uh for milwaukee moving forward in this series now we should just say we should just mention the Giannis play the off the backboard <laughs> two hand. Now, look, there will be some cynics out there and some some people that just want to spoil all the fun for everyone that are just hoop heads around the world and say, well, look, there may have been a little bit of maneuvering of the pivot foot. And yes, okay, look, we can all we can all see, but that well, that was the moment where I thought, okay, the Bucks aren't losing this game. But it was also just and I tweeted it. And by the way, everyone straight away like was like, what about this play? What about this play? But I tweeted and I was like, I just, yeah, I got a little caught up. And I said, that might be one of the greatest plays of his career. Because, uh, and forget the moment. So everyone's like, well, what about the alley-oop against Phoenix? Which, if you, if that was just a Tuesday night in Detroit, it's just a Giannis alley-oop. But we understand the moment, all those types of things. But take away the moment, kind of get stuck. It's like, okay, well, what am I going to do here? Can I pass the ball back out to the perimeter? He's like, oh, I'll just pivot again here. Now I'm kind of off balance. So I'm just going to like lob it off the backboard. But there's a Boston defender there that should be able to swat this or get this off the glass. So I have to throw it high enough to get over his outraged hands and then dunk it down with two hands right on him. And it's just like, it's from like the actual IQ to the athleticism to then the power of the dunk. It's just the most ridiculous thing. And I was, it was 5.30 a.m. here. And I was off off my couch, Frank. That was a that was a beautiful thing. I mean, you have to feel bad for Grant Williams. Grant Williams played that possession so well, and then Giannis just you know pivots back the other way, sees the opening, and detonates. And I, I think we've seen is that maybe the third or fourth time he's done that, like this year actually. Um, it's become something that we've seen him do, uh, you know, every once in a while, and. Uh, you know, again, it's a credit to Boston's defense that he had to be really creative uh, in order to, you know, to to score on a play like that today. Um, I think it was it was interesting because, as we alluded to, it it did feel like he was able to get downhill, and um, you know, usually they, when he brings the ball when he's coming from his right, sort of going to his left, and he brings the ball over the defender. People usually like just say like, oh, like Eurostep, right? But um, but it's actually a bit of a threat. I, me- I remember when he first started doing that and talking to, I think it was Nathan, was it Nathan Walker? I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, and mentioned how like Dwayne Wade did this a lot, like prime D- Dwayne Wade, even though he's a smaller guy, great wingspan. And he would do this where he would sort of go across guys and bring the ball over his head. And they called that the windmill crossover because it literally is kind of like a windmill dunk. And Giannis, I mean, we've seen, we've been seeing Giannis do this for years and years, but it, you know, I always say, somebody think of it as like almost like a swim move, you know, in football. Um, and it, it felt like he, it's kind of funny how few times he, he managed to finish on that play, but it felt like going downhill 
he was able to repeatedly get to the rim without having Boston, you know, just kind of like swallowing him up. But unfortunately, it just felt like he he blew, you know, three or four layups that that normally you kind of think he he would make. So, um, you know, both teams are going to look for silver linings, linings, as you're going to point out. I think the biggest one for Boston is the, the their turnovers and the fast break points that came off that. You know, the Bucks are not like some frenetic turnover forcing machine. Uh, I think they deserve a ton of credit for congesting things and forcing those turnovers. I mean, Grayson Allen at three steals, right? Drew had another one of the classic Drew steals. Shout out Eric, Eric name at half court. Um, you know, the Bucks were able to create offense from defense, which they really needed given the struggles in the half court. Um, I think I expect Boston will clean a lot of that up. But as you said, you know, we certainly would expect Giannis to be better than this uh, on most nights offensively in terms of scoring the basketball. And again, the upside for him is even when he's not scoring really effectively, he can still rely on just the creation and playmaking. And, and, you know, again, that's going to be more important in this series than perhaps any other series he's played, you know, in the NBA, just given the fact that he doesn't have his running mate, Chris Middleton next to him. No doubt. And uh, you know, I think as we've both pointed out, it was really fun today. And you can't ask for a better start in terms of, you know, being on the road. Uh, and now uh, we were in this position a lot last year where we're like, okay, can the Bucks win four out of six? Can the Bucks win four? Can the Bucks win four out of five? So, you know, that's the, that's the challenge now. For Just Milwaukee. split six. Just split six. That's all that's you got to right. do. So that's, that's right. And hey, uh, they won the two games at the Garden going back to, to 2019. But I remember the home court in the series before where no one could win. So, you know, historically, I don't think it's been an easy building for the Bucks to go in and win games. I think it's a, it's a pretty rowdy home court uh, atmosphere that they got there. So to get game one is obviously huge. Uh, game two coming up on Tuesday night. So we'll have a podcast tomorrow. Let's, let's get greedy. Can, can we get greedy, Kane, please? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, like game, imagine, game... imagine a three-day break with a 2 yeah. lead going I mean, home. Glorious. Yeah, game, game two, I mean, this is historically where it's like, you know, the road team wins game one. Yeah. Game two, the road team, the home team always comes out like usually with renewed focus, blah blah blah, uh, and you know the the home the road team maybe gets a little complacent because they've already banked the win that they wanted to get out of the first two. It's really hard to win the first two on the road when you're talking about a really good team like Boston with you know obviously a good home court. So, um, but why not, right? Why not? I mean, I think that's got to be the Bucks' mindset here. Obviously, they're not afraid of anybody. Um, and I think just, you know, a game like this, A, is great because at least, you know, the the national podcasts have to kind of cool it with just the Boston, uh, you know, adoration for like a moment. Um, but, hey, win the first two, then, then you can put that even further on ice and give yourself a little bit of a margin of error going home. Because, I, I mean, this just feels like the kind of series where, okay, awesome, you won game one. You might need to win another game on the road, right? You knew you had to win one to win the series. Last year in the Nets series, they waited until game seven to win. Um, in the Sun series, they pulled it out in game five. Uh, again, margin of error as well as they played without Chris. You know, you can't just assume that you're just going to win every home game. So, again, if you're going to need a second road, road win, <laughs> might as well do it while the Celtics are still trying to figure things out. We'll see. We'll see in, a, I guess, in a day from from when people are listening to this, whether they can pull off the trick and and surprise the Celtics twice. Even if they don't, 
you'd feel pretty good about the first couple of games taking one on the road. But um, again, let's get greedy and and, and enjoy this, right? Let's yeah. let's as we were saying a year ago, as you're we saying, sort of in that Bulls series, you know, enjoy these wins. This is what the playoffs about. Don't fret about what comes after this. Um, and I don't probably for, probably for most fans, I mean this this feels like the series in the East right now, right? I mean, whoever if if you can beat Boston, I think you're going to have an easier series coming up after. It doesn't guarantee anything, but this to me is the big test in the East, the Boston Celtics. And I don't know, ho- hopefully I have to reevaluate that uh, <laughs> soon, but um, you know, fun, fun to, to, to steal game one, even if it wasn't a work of art. And now um, you just hope you can do it three more times. No doubt. Uh, make sure you check out the Lockdown NBA podcast as well. I was on there today. So I was talking some more bucks. So if you're not done with me or my voice at this point in time, you can go and listen uh, to that one as well. And uh, final point, I think it was Ty Lu last year. I think it was last year with the Clippers and Mavericks series. I believe it was with the road court advantage. Maybe this is a road court advantage series. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, but like I said, we'll be back for a podcast tomorrow. We'll look ahead to game two. Uh, and then we've got three days off. So I'm working on some stuff uh, for later on the week. Hopefully we'll have some fun. Uh, but uh, like Frank said, enjoy this one anyway. Game one win. You earned it. With the, the, I got my, I got my, I got my earned NBA champion shirt on for those who are listening on the podcast version, not on YouTube. Th- th- this felt like the appropriate, uh, the appropriate shirt to wear today because the Bucks definitely earned Game One. What do you, what do you got on Kane? Is that an old school uh, Bucks? Ray Allen, Ray, Ray Allen, Allen. which is go. appropriate because this they are playing for the Ray Allen Cup uh, here in the second round oh. of the Eastern Conference. So there you go. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But anyway, apologies for the delay, everyone out there who was desperate for their lockdown bucks fix. But uh, you can listen to it now. It'll help you get through Monday. That'll be nice for you guys. Yeah. We'll be back tomorrow. Make sure you check it out for Frank and myself. Speak to you guys then.